On Monday, six men appeared in the Johannesburg Magistrates Court in connection with the murder of Gauteng Health Department finance official Babita Diokaran. She was gunned down outside her home in Mondial, Johannesburg, when she returned from dropping her child at school. Dio Curran was a key witness in multi-million rand PPE tender fraud investigations. At a candlelight vigil for Dio Curran, Gauteng Premier David Makura said a special task team had been set up to investigate her murder. So the first thing is to bring to book the perpetrators of Babita, the killers of Babita and the perpetrators of her murder, and to make sure that all those cases investigated by the Special Investigation Unit having gone to the Special Tribunal and that court, Special Court, having confirmed that there is a case to answer, that those who have committed this act of criminality are brought to book. Until that happens, I am guilty as well. Dear Curran's murder has turned the spotlight on whistleblowers and the need to review policies to protect them. I'm Catherine Rice, journalist for News24's multimedia department, and this is The Story. This week we'll take a look at where the court case is, whether more suspects are likely to be arrested, and what needs to happen to protect people who speak out against corruption. You're listening to The Story. It's a podcast by News24. We'll speak to journalists and experts about the week's biggest story. This is what we saw, heard and uncovered this week. We're talking to News24 journalist Luandile Bengu, who has been covering the story. Luandile, tell us about the men who have been arrested. What do we know about them so far? Seven men were arrested, but when they appeared in court on Monday, the NPA said that only six has been charged. The seventh person was let go due to a lack of evidence. What we know so far about these six men is that all of them are originally from KZN and live in KZN, a province that has now become notorious for hitmen with the ongoing political killing and taxi violence. Luandile, are more arrests expected? Yes. Um, so after their appearance on Monday, the Hawks did confirm that they are still looking into more suspects, so more people will possibly get arrested, but they were unable to give us a time frame as to will the people, um, new people arrested appear in court in two weeks or not, but they are investigating and following up on leads that will lead to the arrest of more people. And Luandile, do we know about Babita Diokaran and what she knew about corruption in her department yet? So the SIU has been very mum in terms of what exactly, what evidence um, Babita presented to them um, regarding their current investigation into the over 300 million rand PPE irregular procurement within the Gauteng Department of Health. Uh, what we do know is that Babita held a position within that department that is very crucial to the, the um, to procurement, to PPE and to the allegations. Um, Gauteng Premier David Makura was able to confirm that in as far as the evidence Babita was offering to the in, to the SIU that already been that had already been concluded but in as far as what exactly she was a witness to at this stage the SIU said it would jeopardize their case if they were to reveal that and tell us what happened on the morning of her murder evidence has emerged about her domestic worker being caught in the crossfire so what we know from police um, and from Babita's family is that on the morning she was gunned down outside her 
apartment complex. She had just returned from dropping her daughter off at school. And while waiting for the gate to open and for her domestic worker, who had just gotten off a taxi, to hop onto the backseat of the car so that they could drive together, um, the unknown gunmen started, they opened fire. So fortunately, the domestic worker had not gotten into the car yet. And as far as we know, and as the Hawks and the family have already confirmed, she was not injured. Um, she is a bit shaken, but the family says that she's strong and she's um, recovering. And how is she going to be protected now? That's a very important question. Um, so the Hawks will not divulge um, this woman's identity or how they're planning on protecting her. What they did say is that she is safe and that she, she was not injured. So one can only hope that because she's someone who will be a key witness in this case, that the Hawks will provide security for her. And, and what about the court case? When will that resume? So the bail application of these six accused is expected to kick off in the Johannesburg Magistrates Court in two weeks on the 13th of September. And from that, we're hoping to get a better picture of who these men are, who have almost no ties to the province, and as the NPA has already confirmed, none of them worked for the Gauteng Department of Health. So with that bail app set to, 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 to start in two weeks, we're hopefully going to get more details around the men who are accused of gunning down Babita. Well, thank you so much, and thank you for covering the story for News24. That was Luandile Bengu, News24 reporter, who will continue to bring us those updates. We're now joined by journalist and author Mandy Weiner, who last year published a book titled The Whistleblowers. Mandy, you've written about whistleblowers and the impact on their lives after speaking out on corruption. When you interviewed whistleblowers for your book, what was the common thread? I think the common thread with many of the whistleblowers that I've interviewed is that they've been failed in many ways by the justice system, by the country. Many of them are treated as, as pariahs, as problematic. And I think that's because of our history in South Africa of whistleblowers being impimpies. So they are often pushed to the fringes of society. They're not rewarded. And they're really seen as, as troublesome characters. They're seen as people that, that stir the pot. Um, and their experiences vary from being... Uh, kicked out of their jobs so they're unemployed and unemployable uh, as i said uh, many of them suffer from ptsd uh, they have uh, been dragged through the courts so many of them become bankrupt uh, their their families fall apart they develop uh, dependencies like alcoholism and in the worst case scenario like we've seen with babita diokaran and with uh, jimmy mohrala and with moss parkway and others sadly they land up being killed so there is a security threat as well and th there are definitely stories that that have had good results when money has been returned to the fiscus or people have been able to uh, keep their jobs or remain anonymous if they are whistleblowers but the the overarching uh, experience of whistleblowers in South Africa is a negative one. As you say, I mean, in South Africa, whistleblowers are certainly not always seen as heroes. Why is that? I mean, as you said in your book, there's a very different attitude to them in the UK and the States where they are placed on a pedestal. In the US and the UK, it's quite glamorous to be a whistleblower. Movies are made about you and books are written about you. And that's just not the case in South Africa. And I think maybe this is because we don't have a situation like we have in the, like there is in the US where there's a false claims act and people are financially rewarded. Um, and I think that, that there has been a change in this in South Africa over the past few months with more whistleblowers coming forward around state capture. More whistleblowers have written books. They've been interviewed. They've got higher profile in the media. Uh, the 
fact that the acting chief justice Raymond Zondo has also come forward and said at the the Zondo uh, inquiry that he wants to change the way that whistleblowers are treated and he appreciates the contribution that they've made. And the president also has been writing about this. He's been speaking about it at the Zondo Commission. So I think that's really important. We really need a societal revolution in South Africa with how whistleblowers are treated. They should be employed by companies as ethics officers. They should be given national orders. They are patriots. They should be appreciated. And if we are going to win the fight against corruption in South Africa, we have to make sure that we stack the cards in the favour of whistleblowers. Mandy, what do you think are the legislative weaknesses in terms of protecting whistleblowers? And what are the legislative changes that are needed? So in South Africa, we do have uh, various pieces of legislation that protect whistleblowers, the primary one being the Protected Disclosures Act. But they are really insufficient. They are very much labor relations style um, pieces of, of law. And there is no um, accountability for, for employers in it, really. Um, they're just insufficient. And we need legislation that is more uniquely placed to, to deal with the South African tsunami where we have such widespread corruption. So I do think we need more robust legislation. We need new legislation. But also I would suggest something like a Chapter 9 organisation be set up uh, where like a a whistleblower house, which is what they have in the Netherlands, which um, provides support to whistleblowers in terms of emotional support, uh, legal support, uh, um, psychological support, and then physical security support as well. Because at the moment, there are just no organizations, um, aside from civil society, that are dedicated to protecting whistleblowers. So there really needs to be a, a, a refuge for them, where they can go, where they can be assisted, and where they can be protected. And there are various um, scenarios that have now been proposed by people like Vidi Hoffmeyer, the former Assets Forfeiture Unit head, uh, also by a, a group that has started called the Whistleblower House, where people are now putting forward these proposals. And I do think that the Deputy Chief Justice also, or the Acting Chief Justice now, Raymond Zondo, is in a unique position where he can also make recommendations in the Zondo report for what needs to be done. This week you wrote a column for News24 about South Africa moving closer to becoming a mafia state. Tell us about why you think this and how the murder of Babita Diakaran is really an illustration of just how much state capture and tender fraud is actually organized crime. So I do think that we are not at the point yet where we are a mafia state or a mafiocracy. So Alexander Litvinenko, the Russian defector, uh, coined this phrase, mafia state. And it's essentially a state system where the government is tied with organized crime to such a degree that government officials and the police and the military become part of a criminal enterprise. So I don't think that we're at that state stage yet because not all of government is a mafia. You know, we're not a mafiocracy. We... we not not all of government is consumed by organized crime or acts as organized crime, but there are without a doubt mafias within the state and there are parts of government that are run indirectly by organized crime. State capture, as an example, was organized crime. Tender fraud is organized crime. And I do think that the the murder of Babita Diakaran is really an illustrator of how state capture and government tender fraud is organized crime. So there's a syndicate of gangsters operating within the state. They're willing to stop at nothing to to plunder and abuse taxpayers' resources. And they're even willing to kill people if they come in the way of that. And it's naive for us to think that there are going to be these investigations. There's going to be a whistleblower that comes forward and they just roll over. They're going to fight back. And that's what we're seeing here.
Mandy, this is likely going to have a huge impact on people who have information on corruption but will now be too scared to speak out. Do you think whistleblowers will look at this case and think, well, speaking out simply just is not worth my life? Well, unfortunately, yes. And that's why there's such a concern here. And I imagine that's the intention of the murder as well, is that it does have a chilling effect on other people who want to come forward with information and other whistleblowers. And that's why there is so much pressure on the police and on the NPA to ensure that those responsible are brought to book. So it's great that the police have made arrests. They've arrested uh, initially seven people, now six people uh, for the shooting. But what we really need to see is the masterminds, the people who paid the money the people who gave the order, the people who have everything to lose being arrested and being prosecuted and convicted. Because if that doesn't happen, then it really will have a chilling effect on whistleblowers. And we have to stack the cards in the favour of the whistleblowers because we need them to come forward. There's no way we can fight corruption if they don't come forward. So that means we have to change the way that whistleblowers are treated and rewarded and protected if we are going to win the fight against corruption. That was Mandy Wiener, journalist and author of the book The Whistleblowers. Thank you for your insights. That's all we have time for this week. For the very latest on the story, check out News 24's investigations and article by Jeff Wicks about the most recent revelations that police are investigating a senior ANC figure who may have been the mastermind behind the assassination. I'm Catherine Rice, and this week's episode was produced with the help of Amy Gibbons.